Welcome to the Financial Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how to build your practice from startup to scale up while being the kind of coach your clients crave. Finally, a podcast for financial coaches. Here are your hosts, Maria Casillas and Cody Sizemore. Hello and welcome back to the Financial Coaches Podcast. We have a very special episode for you today because we have a very special guest for you today. And his name is Andrew Ryder, and he is an investor in people who specializes in email marketing. And of course, we're always joined by Maria Casillas as well. How are you doing, Maria? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I'm excited for this Good. episode as well. Yes. And Andrew, how are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Chat with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very cool. So Andrew, why don't you tell me what an investor in people means? Because honestly, I've never even really heard someone say that before, but I really like the sound of it. Yeah. You know, before we got on the show here, we were just chatting a little bit and and you asked me, you know, would I consider myself an email marketing guru? And the answer is no, (laughs) it's definitely not because like so many others in this online business world, online business industry, we have certain reactions to these types of words, guru, even coach. You know, I've, I've hired so many coaches just over my career and in trying to improve my business, trying to get better at what I do. I've had a lot of really terrible experiences. I've hired people who are coaches or who claim to be coaches, but they've never done anything remotely close to what they claim to be able to teach you how to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be associated with that. I didn't want to, I didn't want people to think the same thing about me if I said that I was a coach or if I said that I was a guru. There's uh, the market for email, for content, for business strategy advice is so mature at this point that those types of terms, guru, coach, um, those types of things have, a lot of people have hired those people and they have had really bad experiences. So it's very important for me to differentiate myself from that in not just in what I do, but in how I describe it. And and so, you know, as you say, I consider myself an investor. And I think that's fitting. You know, we're gonna be talking to financial coaches, we're gonna be talking a little bit of financial stuff, but mostly we'll be talking uh email marketing, we're talking about content. As an investor, I'm looking for ways that I can use my time and my energy to get a a return, get a positive return, get a better return than doing other things, right? What, what can I invest my time in? What can I invest my energy in? It's going to get the best, best return. So I think about everything that I do in that sense, when it comes to health and fitness, it's how can I eat? How can I sleep? How can I exercise in a way that's going to give me more energy? It's going to allow me to focus better. It's going to allow me to write better, create better content. All of these things tie back into what I'm doing, right? Trying to improve my business, trying to improve my life. I'm investing in relationships with my wife, with my friends, with my family. You know, those are, those are probably the, the two most important things right there. Health, relationships with family. Third after that is investing in my business, right? It's it's investing in relationships with my audience, investing in my clients, trying to help them to become better people, to, to become more capable of, of 
creating better content, writing better emails, whatever it is. It's, it's not just about trying to coach someone up to the next income target or the next audience size bracket. It's about investing in them as a person. And I really like to make that distinction about making the relationship instead of just trying to find gimmicks and tactics that will help me get more transactions in my business. Yeah. I, I really like the the term like, you know, investor in people because to me, like when you're t- when you were just unpacking everything, it made me feel a little bit more warmer inside to know that you're like, hey, I just want to invest in you. You know, rather than saying, you know, I'm I'm your guru or, you know, I'm your coach or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and you're right. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who've had a lot of experiences to where maybe they have signed up with the coach for some reason. Um, whether it be a business coach, a financial coach, a health coach, fitness coach, whatever it might be. And maybe they haven't had the best experience with that, you know? And, and I think that a big reason is because with this industry, you know, like the coaching industry, it, it really doesn't take a lot to get into it. Yep. You very, know, like, very low barrier of entry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like almost anyone could say, Hey, I'm a coach, you know? Um, and that, that does create a lot of negative experiences for people. And it kind of hurts the coaches who are really good, you know? So even that small shift in language and branding of like, Hey, I'm, I'm not, I'm not this coach or this guru. I am an investor in you. I think that that sets you aside. And honestly, I may steal it myself. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it works perfect for, uh, yeah, for financial coaching, <laughs> speaking your yeah. language there. So, yeah, definitely have So, are it. we going to have to rename the podcast, Cody? Financial yeah, Investors in People's Podcast? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, Andrew, when we, when we initially interviewed you to see if you'd be a good fit for our audience, what, there were several things that I really, really did like about your approach. And I'm sure we'll get into some of them later, but this is definitely one of them. Just your ability to recognize that it's not just taking somebody from one step to another, but it's actually you know, feeding who they are as an individual person and, and then that investment in uh, not just time and money, but in in character and who we are. And so that's just something I really appreciate. And I'm so glad that you're going to be able to apply that to the email marketing world, because I think sometimes we, we tend to separate those things and they're, they're not separatable. I mean, we're, I don't even know if that's a word. I make up words on this podcast all the time, um, <laughs> but they're not really something that should be separated. You know, our email marketing, I think, should be a reflection of, of who we actually are. And I think sometimes we just separate those. So I'm excited to have you help us bring those back together today. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's uh, a quote that I really love from Derek Sivers. And he says that if information was the key, we'd all be billionaires with six-pack apps. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's sort of a funny quote, but it's so true in that the information is out there. You know, when I was got started helping people writing content and, and email marketing. I was telling them, you know, you need to send more emails. You need to be more authentic. You need to be vulnerable. You need to do all these things. But I found that just giving these sort of tactics and strategies around the the content itself was not the first step. The first step was was backwards from that, which is working through sort of the soft skills 
and the mindset and a lot of the things that build the foundation for just being able to show up every single day and writing an email or putting yourself out there or generating ideas, being consistent, you know, those types of things that we don't always think are, are important. You know, people will say they're important, but they kind of get glossed over when everyone's just trying to find that next tactic that's that's really working right now that's going to get you a thousand more followers or it's going to increase your open rates or, or whatever it may be. Right. So I feel like a lot of those topics that you just said, um, which I agree, they're wildly important, but they do get glossed over. And I think the reason might be because like those topics, when you bring them up, it's kind of like you, people have that internal dialogue happening in their brain where they're just like, I know, I know, you know, like, I know I got to stay consistent. Oh, you got to be vulnerable. I know, I know, you know, like all of those things. Right. Um, and it, to me, it's like, sometimes people are trying to find like the next, Andrew, the you're next still there, thing. right? That's okay. I so it must be him. I not sure if I should say something. No, but I, was, <laughs> nope. I was waiting to I, thinking maybe it was me, but it must be him. So uh, we, yeah. will, we will edit this part out and see if we can okay. get him back. Because <laughs> so many times it's my internet, but this time it's not. I wonder if he realizes. Oh, I like I have a, I have a phone. Let me, let me text him. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he just left. Oh, perfect. So hopefully he's rejoining. Okay. <laughs> after after nobody responded for sixty seconds, right? He or probably more. figured <laughs> <laughs> there was something going on. So, um, so here's here's where you and I get to collaborate. We get to, to figure out what was he saying before he got cut off. <laughs> yeah, right. So it can be an easy uh, an easy transition. Let's see. He was talking about um, how so many things get lost. He was just repeating what you were saying. And then I think you had a thought around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at least my initial thought was where he was going with this. We'll see was that consistency is not sexy in mm. any way. It's not um, flashy. It's not something that you can make a video on YouTube or, or a piece of content that's going to, explode in popularity because you know one of the things that i'm working on right now is a um it's a book project and i'm mm. i'm working on this idea that we've sort of you know for a long time i blamed you know i hired all of these coaches and and people and i got really got ripped off, had all of these bad experiences and I blamed it on them. Mm -hmm. But I think the problem is really was me mm -hmm. in that, you know, a lot of these, like I said, I had to take a step back from teaching the, the marketing stuff to really build that foundation because I didn't have the foundation that I needed to be successful when, when, um, <laughs> when I was hiring all of these coaches. Right. And I think that this is particularly true when it comes to, content is that the content that we like and the content that gets engagement and views and, and the content that coaches are incentivized to create is precisely the content that makes everyone so miserable. Mm -hmm. And so if we can break the loop, I think that's the really the only way to 
to get back to what you really need to learn in order to advance. Yeah. And I'd love for you to repeat some of that when he, yeah, now yeah, that he's here. Sure. Uh, but I am curious, when you say makes everyone miserable, are you talking about the people who are reading the content or the people who are putting it out there? For a lot of, so for a lot of coaches, it's both, right? It's you're reading content, trying to figure out what content to create so that you can get more customers for your business. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of this belief that when you get started in coaching, you're, you're sold on this dream that you're going to make a whole bunch of money. It's going to be really, you're just going to feel awesome all the time. You're going to be happy all the time and clients are going to come to you effortlessly. Yeah. You're going to hang out a shingle and they're going to show up and, <laughs> and you get into it and you work really hard and you consume all this content and maybe you get a few clients here or there, but it never really, you never feel that just awesome, just amazing feeling that you think you're going to feel. And especially on social media, um, even when you do get some amount of success, even when you, you make your first 10K month or you get your first client or whatever, you hit this milestone, so many of those coaches are still just horribly miserable because there's always that next milestone. There's always someone who's more successful and they're, they're measuring success in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. They're measuring success based on someone else's priorities. And like I said, you can teach all these tactics and you can create all of this content, but there's a foundational layer of non-sexy skills that you need to have before you can really figure out what your goals are, what success means to you, and then build that instead of just getting into this hamster wheel of chasing infinity. Yeah. I can't, I can't love that more than I do. Uh, and for many, many reasons, and I, I can get into those later. Um, we as a team here have to decide because there was so much really good content right there. Uh, are we going to make Drew, uh, Andrew, um, repeat that or are we going to find a way to just slice it? <laughs> so we can, we can probably, we can probably splice it. Are you, are you sure? You. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cause that was I mean, really, really good. <laughs> we, we can also, um, if you wanted to just pick up right where you left off, um, we'll get back into that. We can just, yeah, we okay. can just, I think that's where we're headed anyways. Yeah, I think so um, too. So, uh, really Cody, we don't know what point you feel like you got kicked off, but it was literally like on the first sentence, uh, that you were starting to say. So, okay. <laughs> so what, what were you guys, what did you guys talk about while I was gone? You. We, we all talked about all of you. <laughs> no, um, oh, okay. really, we I just, just kind of, he assumed where you were going and yeah. then we picked up from there. So now he can just tell you where you were going. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. No it's just like, it was just weird. No, it's but fine. He assumed it doesn't happen again. He go ahead. You can tell him where you, you assumed he was going. Okay. Oh yeah. Go ahead. So really all I was going to say was that, um, that, you know, it's, it's interesting with those soft skills that you were talking about, that those are typically like the skills that people kind of gloss over quite a bit because they're like, they kind of hear those things. Like you got to be consistent. And then they're just like, I know, well, you have to be vulnerable. I know, I know, you know, like all those things can be met with, I know. Right. But they're kind of 
always hunting and they're always searching for the next golden ticket thing that's going to like propel their business to the next level. And they're trying to make it like this new complicated thing or this new sexy thing that like maybe no one else is doing. But oftentimes I found that those are most, those are, those are mostly just distractions. Like, yeah, like sometimes they can work out and yes, like sometimes like the, that new thing is something that you should do, but you can't just discredit the things that have been true and proven to work for years and years and years and years on end, which are simple things like the consistency and being vulnerable and, you know, all of those different types of things. And if you gloss over those, you're right. Like you'll always be trying to search for that new thing, that next milestone. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And business is, is simple. It's not easy, right? It's <laughs> the consistent daily emails. It's the consistent client outreach. It's, it's really the strategy that you're going to take is, is most important. And it's not necessarily in taking my strategy or your favorite guru's strategy or whoever's strategy, but it's building a strategy that is going to get you where you want to be to your definition of, of success. It's, and it's going to be suited to your strengths. And it takes a lot of self-reflection, a lot of work. And that's another thing where you can say, I know that I need to be sort of reflective. I need to figure out what I want instead of just taking the easy way or, or looking to the sexy tactics that you can read about on Facebook or on Twitter or downloading the latest templates or the latest funnel swipes or, or whatever it is. But Staying consistent with that strategy, I, I know you know that it's what you're supposed to do, but it's really, really hard to do it. And and I struggle with it too. Just consistently publishing every single day. You know, when I got started and, and how I kind of got to where I am today was really by recognizing that a lot of the business mentors that I had, people who I looked up to in the industry, were all publishing an email every single day. It was folks like Russell Brunson, Ben Settle, Seth Godin. They all published every single day. They never missed a day. And so a couple of years ago in 2020, I, uh, I made a New Year's resolution to publish every single day. And um, that was really hard for me because at that point, I didn't have enough content to really fill out an entire week's worth of, mm -hmm. uh, worth of content. So I had no idea how I was going to do it, but I just saw that I saw these folks doing it and I knew that that was working for them. And, and if I thought, you know, if I was really serious about starting this business, I needed to do that. So with you saying that, you know, obviously that New Year's resolution, that was a pretty big goal. That's a big change, especially if you weren't doing that every day. Can I, can I ask how often you were doing that before? So before, um, was primarily working on my wife's business and we were trying to publish, she's a nutritional therapy practitioner. So she's a coach. She works on a lot of health related things. Um, we were publishing three to five posts a week and it was, it was hard. 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I basically developed my content strategy around all of the mistakes that I made and, and iterating over thousands of articles to, to figure out what worked for me. And we started from that point of just struggling every single day to get something down. It was, okay, here's three or five things we could write about this week, but they were sort of the same tips and things that we had already posted. We were pulling in some, you know, trying to reuse content, just trying to get through the week so that it wasn't like we missed the the entire week. And so when yeah. I, yeah, that was a big, it was a big jump to go to daily. And I found that the ideas were there. Uh, I mean, I learned so much from this experience. The, the ideas were there. I just wasn't, I wasn't finding them. I wasn't looking at it in the right way. We were trying to find tips and tricks and sort of um, just typical, you know, top five ways to X or top three uh, mistakes that people make, those types of things. Whereas there were all these stories in our day-to-day life that we were missing opportunities to share really insightful and really uh, relatable things that our, our customers were experiencing that, you know, related to their gut health or related to just daily struggle stories and things that we saw in the world that we could relate to them rather than just trying to recycle the same tips over and over again, but sharing a, in a more relatable way in a, in a story a way that they could remember it, they could take it and, and put it into action into their own lives. And, and when we when we made that switch, it became a lot easier, recognizing that we could come up with a whole bunch of ideas um, just by looking at our, our lives, looking at what's going on on social media. There's really more ideas than you could ever write about. <laughs> and it always used to bother me when people would say that, you know, you'd hear all of these prolific creators say things like, oh, I have so many ideas, I just don't have enough time to write about them all. <laughs> and that was so frustrating because we were, like I said, struggling to write every day or struggling to write three posts or five posts a week. But if you really take the time to just take 10 minutes at the end of the day to reflect back on what ex- what you experienced that day and just ask yourself with everything that you did, is this an opportunity? Is this a story that I can tell to my customers that will relate in some way, even in just a very simple, or it could even be a stretch, like it doesn't really relate, but you can spin it into a, a moral of the story that, that can relate to what you teach or, or something that's valuable to your audience. I love, I love what you said. Um, you know, you said that uh, you can always do the typical, like, you know, top five ways or the top three mistakes or whatever, you know, those are good and they have their place for it, for it. Um, but you said that once you started picking pieces from your actual life, that things became more easier. And I personally love that because I would, I would probably say that it became more easier for you because it was more real, you know, and it it was more enjoyable. And then not only was it easier for those reasons, but then the people who were actually receiving these emails and opening these emails, they could feel that energy more. You know, it's not just like, like this generic, like, here's five tips. You know, it's like, Hey, like, this is what's actually happening with me. And maybe this is for you too. 
you know, and, and then you get better engagement, you get better reaction, which then turns into more clients. And then you start feeling better. You get more motivated, you get that traction, you know, all of that stuff. And I'm glad that you went into that because one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, well, how do people even come up with all these ideas? <laughs> and then building off of that is like, well, then how do they stay consistent? And you, you answered both of those questions, you know, like come up with the ideas just by living your life and then stay consistent by just telling the story. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things I want to comment on there. Um, <laughs> you know, you, Definitely. Um, you hit it, hit the nail on the head. And I think this comes back to the idea of if information was the key, we'd all be billionaires with six pack abs, right? These mm -hmm. tactical posts that give out information, you know, they have their place, but when people are buying from you, they're, especially for, for coaches, for solo entrepreneurs, you are the business and people aren't buying from your business, they're buying from you. They're buying you. And a lot of smart marketers figured this out a long time ago. You know, this is the Dan Kennedy saying that, um, you know, be in the business of being you. You might have even read Stephen Pressfield in The War of Art. He says, he talks about you incorporated, where you, you become the business. And when you, especially as, as a coach or as a solo entrepreneur, you are the business, right? If you get taken away, the business goes away, unless you get to a certain point where it runs without you. But even if you look at someone like a Tony Robbins, he's the business. You know, people want, people buy from him because they want to be more like him. They want to achieve the, the mindset and the uh, abundance lifestyle that he has. They want to be able to go to, to the Bahamas or to whatever, you know, exotic location where they have their retreats and their masterminds. And they want to have that confidence, just that unshakable faith and belief in what they're doing, that it's, that it's the right thing. And so when people buy something from, from Tony Robbins, they're trying to buy a piece of him. They're trying to be more like him. And the same is true for, for you. You know, there's, there is a, a million people who could teach you tips and tricks for how to write better emails or for how to be more consistent with your copy or how to whatever, you know, the information's out there, but you're not doing it right. You can, you can go and you can read all the information, but it's, it's not enough just to have the information. You have to have that sort of foundational soft skills like we were talking about, the non-sexy stuff that's going to get you to show up every day and be consistent. And so looping back to what you were saying, you know, about how do you be consistent? The I will give some tactical advice here, and that's in your morning routine. So for me, mm. my morning routine has a hundred percent determination in whether or not I write that day, how good my writing is, it makes makes and breaks my my day. And really, my morning routine starts the night before, because I need to get a good night's sleep, I need to be hydrated. Um, so if I go out to dinner or have drinks or stay up too late, you know, those things are really going to impact my next day. Um, uh, during the week, it's for me, it's getting up at five o'clock and it's leaving my phone on airplane mode. It's not 
touching it. It's not thinking about it. It's running away from my phone as fast as I can because I know that if I give myself the option to check my phone, I start to spiral away from my own my own uh, uh, my my routine. And they've they've done a lot of neuroscience research on this. If you are interested, you could look into like Andrew Huberman, uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a professor at Stanford, and he's done a lot of research into the impact of checking your phone on, on your morning routine. Because when you sleep, your mind is organizing all of the information that you experienced, all the things that you learned from the previous day. It's putting it into the right place. So when you wake up in the morning, if you check your phone, you're just opening your brain up to a whole bunch of new information, other people's ideas, the things that other people want you to do, the things that you feel you should do. You get all this noise back into your life. You Twitter screaming at you, email, Instagram. You get you get off track with where you where you need to go, which is you need to go. You know, for me, take a shower. It's get uh, wake up a little bit, get cleaned up, get some coffee in me, uh, and get to my computer so I can start writing. Because if I can get to my computer after doing all that without checking my phone, without inundating myself with all of these external ideas and external things. And I can just sit down, I can pull up, I have a note, uh, note on my phone with all my content ideas and just pick out an idea and start writing it. As soon as I get into that flow state, I start to make all of these connections between that whatever topic I was going to write about, linking it back to something else that I talked about maybe the day before or to a blog post or a book that I'm writing or, you know, all of these connections just start to come into place. Things that I was working on while I was sleeping, my brain was trying to organize all of this information, but I didn't realize that it was organized. I hadn't really taken the time to look at it and to start writing it down and start thinking out loud through my writing to recognize all of these connections that I made. And so you, you lose a lot of that if you don't if you pick up your phone. So, so putting my phone aside is, is a huge part of my morning routine. And I, you know, I'm not perfect about this. A lot of times on, um, on the weekend, you know, I might take a day off or whatever, pick up my phone and I'll be making coffee and I'll just be looking at my email or, or whatever it is. And I can physically feel the change in my mental state, in my clarity and my ability to focus. If I go and try to write after that, it's so much harder. It's so much harder to focus and to really get into that flow state. And the ideas are not as good. So that that's probably the most important thing that you can do is really get into a good morning routine. You don't have to get up early like I do. I just know that I do my best writing first thing in the morning. So I want to get up. I want to do my writing without any distractions, without any possibility of getting thrown off. And then if I can do that, I can, you know, the whole rest of the day can blow up and I'll at least know that I got my content done for the day. So, mm -hmm. so speaking of days blowing up, I'm, <laughs> I'm a mom of four and I know that we have lots of other moms and parents who listen in on this, on this podcast. And so on one hand, you say we don't have to get up early. On the other hand, I'll tell you that if I don't do it early there, the blow up's going to happen like soon. Right. So what, what do you suggest? Um, I guess what I'm going to find out is, do you specifically write every day 
the thing that you're going to put out or do you batch right and then slowly drip it uh do you do you suggest a combination of those for individuals who maybe have like i said young kids who are gonna you know blow up their day early what are some of your suggestions about that in term in terms of staying consistent um but recognizing that there are circumstances beyond our control sometimes i do a little bit of both so for my daily emails, my daily content, it is never batched. It's always day of or, or maybe a couple of days in advance. If I'm running a promotion, I'll put together uh, you know, three, five, ten, however many emails in that promotion mm-hmm. and schedule it into my autoresponder. Okay. But for the most part, daily emails are written the day of. I usually write it first thing in the morning, give it a couple of hours to sort of um just let it sit. I'll come back and edit it. I don't, I don't like to do writing and editing at the same time. That typically results in a lot of friction of going back and forth between writing and editing. They're really two different brain modes. That's another great so, tip that I just want to stop you there for a second. Let yeah. people write that down because that's huge and could easily get glossed over. If, if you're struggling with writer's block, it's usually because you're trying to edit and write at the same time. And so if you just try to write stream of consciousness, that will, that will solve a lot of your, if you can remove the judgment around, oh, that's not a good, I need to rewrite this or change that and just write. Yeah. The gold, the gold will be in there. And sometimes it'll take, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to really get into it and you throw away the first half of what you wrote. That happens. Mm -hmm. But, um, so my daily content is written every day, Okay. but uh, like, for example, I'm working on a book right now. And so I spent probably like six hours, seven hours on Saturday, and I just wrote all day. Um, so with, with books and with bigger projects, it's easier for me to, to batch it because there's so much friction around starting and stopping that if I was going to work on, and I've, I've done this before. I've, I've written longer pieces of content where I do, you know, maybe an hour every single day, but it takes a lot of effort to, to stop and to get the momentum going on the next day. I agree. I've found with, with books, um, especially where I'm combining existing content that I've already written with some new content and really pulling a whole bunch of things together. It's easier. You know, I was able to pull together in, you know, six or seven hours, I put together like 20,000 words, some of which was, was new, some of which was pulled from other blog posts, other pieces of content that I've written. But for long content, yeah, that's what works best for me. But uh, again, you know, people are going to have different schedules and different, uh, you, you probably, uh, if you have uh, you know, little kids or, or whatever, you're probably not going to have seven or eight hours on a Saturday to be completely focus with no distractions. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so you have to work with, with what you have. And um, you certainly can create long form content by just batching it out or not batching it, but doing it uh, a little bit piece by piece every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Another clarification I'd like to ask is with regard to the actual content that you're putting out in the emails, I know, first of all, that writer's block, that is something that has stopped me 100% of the time. So I think that's why I immediately picked up on that little trick. Um, but also there's this 
preconceived notion that it has to be really long. And so I'm kind of curious on, on the days that you, I mean, you're writing every single day and some of my favorite content to consume via email is the one that, like you said, is more story-based. It's more like, here's something that's relatable. And so I 100% get that. And that's how I actually do my personal podcast as well, is it's just stuff that's relatable in my in my world. Uh, but when it comes to email, I have this mental block, like it has to be this long thing. And I'm just curious, how many short ones do you send? And is there any tip that you can give our listeners if they also struggle with what I'm talking about? I'm yeah, going to double down on that question oh. too. Sorry to cut you off. Andy. Yeah, no, I'm going to double down on that question too, because I've been thinking about this for a while and this is a perfect opportunity to kind of insert here. Um, so in addition to what Maria asked, I'm also curious because I know that like me personally, I'm not a huge email guy. I would like to be, but I'm more of like a social media guy. And we've talked a lot about social media on this podcast. We have not talked a lot about email on this podcast. So I'm glad you're here. Um, but my question that was kind of floating around in my head, it was like, for, for someone like me who like has an email list and I've sent a few emails out, what, what even makes a good email? You can answer Maria's question first. Yeah. I'm trying to decide <laughs> where to start. So I, <laughs> I, um, I just wrote about this the other day, um, because there is that tendency to want to write really long emails and even to write, there's a, there's sort of a false belief that longer is always better. Yeah. And let right? me just tell Where, you, there is no tendency on my part to want to write longer lines. <laughs> I think it's more okay. of the line that you just said that there's a belief that longer is better. And I know logically that longer is not better. It just almost feels weird if it's just, you know, if it looks like a social media post inside of an email. So take that and run with it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to misattribute the quote. It might be, it might be um, Winston Churchill who said that uh, it's a really famous line, but he says, you know, my apologies. If I had more time, I would have written you a shorter letter. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, and that the idea being that shorter and more, more concise, more impactful, nothing is wasted is the, the, the highest quality that you can create uh, longer rambling repetitive is, is going to be more wasteful or, or, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be easier to write something that's long and rambling than it is to tighten it up and make every word really count. Yeah. There is, there is definitely a, almost a compulsion that, that you have to write a really long post or a really long book or your videos. I fall into this, this camp because a lot of the videos that I create are sort of in that five to eight, maybe 10 minute range. The longest ones would be 15 to 20 minutes. And I find myself thinking, oh, you know, if I like, why can't I create a longer video like so-and-so? And, um, you know, then I catch myself thinking, well, do, do the videos really need to be longer? Do, does the content need to be longer? Is there more that I want to say about this? Or is it just, does it just, I want it to be longer because I think longer is better. Mm -hmm. So there's not really a, a hard answer. You can definitely write shorter content in email. You can definitely, definitely write longer content in email. Um, there's a guy 
His name is Josh Spector, and he writes a daily email, and it's usually one or two sentences. And he'll just say, hey, here's, you know, if you're having this problem, here's basically a link to something that might help you to um, solve that problem. Oh, that's great. And uh, so his, his emails are one or two sentences. And, uh, you know, and they're great. And, uh, you know, some of them are not helpful. Some of them are helpful. One of the things that is really nice about that approach is when you're looking at your email, you're never thinking, oh, I don't have time to look at this right now. So I'll save it for later. Right. Uh, you know, you can always read it in 30 seconds and you can, you know, open the link and save it if you want to look at it later or whatever or not. And you can at least get it handled. It can get it out of your inbox. There are, there's also a, what's called like story selling, which is an approach that you can take to email or to social media where you're telling these types of stories. And this is sort of the camp that I fall into, which is sort of the, uh, Seth Godin or Ben Settle approach to email copywriting, which is telling stories and using those stories to demonstrate the value of your products, your services, your expertise, and getting more inspirational in how they'll help you solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So the downside with longer, more story form emails is I'll catch myself sometimes with a couple of, of marketers that I, I like to read is they, they write really long emails. And I know that it takes five or 10 minutes to read that email. And so if I'm just casually in between, you know, checking my phone in between whatever's going on in that interstitial time, I'll see an email from them and I'll think, oh, I don't really have time to really read this right now. And so I end up getting building up kind of a backlog of, of their content over days or weeks. And a lot of times then it just doesn't get read. Yeah. So there's an advantage to shorter content in that regard. But if you're getting people to read your content, um, the long, you know, longer, the longer that you can keep someone's attention, the better. So, so that's an advantage of storytelling is that you, if you can really encapsulate someone's attention or you can get them engaged and entertain them with a story, then you're going to be able to keep their attention longer and demonstrate more value to them, build more of a relationship with them through that story. So I think that, I guess to summarize, I would say if you're going to be giving sort of hard tips or resources to keep it shorter, because that sort of dense informational content is not always the most exciting or fun thing to read. But if you're telling, going to tell stories, give yourself an opportunity to really expand the story, dive into, you know, build the characters a little bit and um, really enrich it so that your audience feels like they're related to what you're talking about. Um, you know, this reminds me of just, uh, just last weekend, my wife and I went to, dinner and a movie we saw the new um marvel movie morbius it's kind of like a vampire movie it, it wasn't good <laughs> um and, and the reason why it wasn't good is yeah i, I wouldn't recommend it and, unless you want to watch it so then you can make content about it but uh <laughs> um the they didn't spend enough time developing the characters and so when you get to the the climax of the movie, the, you know, the thick of the plot and there's lives are on the line. 
you're not really invested in them. You don't really care. It's like, okay, but I don't really know anything about this person. So it doesn't really matter if they're eliminated from the story. Mm -hmm. There's just no emotional attachment to that. Mm -hmm. And you want to elicit those same feelings in your audience. You want them to emotionally attach with you, with your methodology, with the problems that you help people solve. That's really where that relationship comes. If you compare a character like Morbius to a character like Iron Man, where you know, Tony Stark, they did, they did a great job in the original Iron Man movie. It's such a great movie where they're building out his character and his character flaws and all of the complexity that makes him who he is. But then to do that over the course of you know, nine or 10 movies that he's in. But when you get to the, to the end, right. Of Avengers Endgame, And it's, you know, he, he's fighting against Thanos. You're so invested in that moment because of all of the time that they've taken through the course of all those movies to build up the character and really build that emotional connection between the audience and the character. And they do a really good job with that with Thanos too. Um, I'm, as you can clearly tell, I like Marvel movies. <laughs> so um, I've written a lot about the development of Thanos' character because the end of the Infinity War movie was a point where you don't get to this point in a lot of movies where the villain triumphs. The movie ends and the villain was successful and the heroes lose. That is, that's pretty uncommon. And the reason why they did it is because the movie is reversed. Thanos is actually the hero of the film. And when you look at the imagery that they use and the language that they use in the film, they've really portrayed Thanos as he's go the one going on the hero's journey and the Avengers are the sort of evil ones trying to stop him. And so it's, it's, it's flipped in that regard. But yeah, it really just struck me how thin and surface level the the morbius film was and and that immediately jumps out to me as something that if you want to create a better relationship with your customers if you want to really invest in them you should be telling telling stories and really digging into that emotional relationship and and entertaining them along the way. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great analogy. I mean, just just the idea about Iron Man, how you said that it took them, you know, nine ep not what did you say, nine seasons? I'm not I'm not a Marvel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was so actually nine it's movies, movies but, or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but it, it took some time. That's ultimately what I want to get across. And I think sometimes, you know, we we talk about we're just going to start this business and we're going to tell people that we do this and they're just going to flock to us because why wouldn't they? And that, I mean, it didn't happen for me. I don't think it happened for Cody. I, I don't think it happened for you either, Andrew. Um, and it, maybe it's happened for a couple people, but I don't think that's the common thing. And, and we have to remember that even Iron Man took nine movies or however many movies to develop that relationship with the person who's watching. And so we can't just start sending out an email a day and think that in, you know, three weeks or even three months that people are going to start flocking to us because they still haven't had enough time to invest in our character. Yeah. Daily, daily email is definitely the long game. So, um, 
Cody, I know you had a question in there earlier, and I'm not sure if I answered it. <laughs> uh, maybe you got a little sidetracked. Did you get? Did I explain what you were uh, looking for there? Yeah, I think you did. Um, basically, my question was like, what makes a really good email? You know, and, and I think that you talking about creating that story. Um, you know, those are those are the powerful emails. And you'll have the the certain emails where like they're maybe they're shorter or it's a quick tip or a quick gift, you know, whatever. Those have their place. I think that that's important. But I think that the ones that really, really sell you, thus selling the business, are the ones that are story-based. And the whole time that you were talking about that, I'm sure that you've probably read the book, um, but it made me think of this. So I wanted to tell the listeners, uh, Story Brand by Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you haven't read that book, go pick it up. It's going to be a game changer, not only for your email marketing, but your online marketing, and even just like your language that you use within your business. You know, like the, the, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Andrew, with like talking about, you know, the, the, the hero and the villain and, uh, you know, the, um, the guide and, you know, all of these different parts to the story. Um, and that's what makes these movies so compelling. That's why they're, you know, they make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. It's because people love that stuff. And if you're able to take that same formula and put it into your email marketing, man, that's going to be good. Yeah, there's a reason why the Avengers Endgame had the biggest box office ever when it came out. And that was because mm-hmm. of the the story and the the way that they wrote the previous film. The build-up. Right. Mm-hmm. It was all the build up to that. People had to know how it ended. And it doesn't, you know, it, it, the previous film was Infinity War, but it's also all of the previous content before that too. Um, you know, just to continue on, on what you were saying, Cody, um, something else that I think might be an interesting way to, or, or a useful way to think about this is the idea of consistent inconsistency. So you're being consistent in your daily content creation, but you're mixing it up in how you're doing it. So you're sending a short tip email, and then you're sending a longer story, and then you're promoting something else, and you're constantly adding variety so that it doesn't get stale, it doesn't get old. You're being a little bit unpredictable, maybe a little bit edgy, or whatever you need to do to get people excited about, uh, opening up, open up your content. Yeah. 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 I think that's really important too. Um, cause it's very easy just to like, just to almost view it as like checking a box, you know, like, Oh, I got to send an email out. Cool. I'll do another one of those. <laughs> oh, the next day comes. Oh, I got to send another one out. Cool. Check that box. It's very easy to do that. Yeah, it is. And, it sort of comes back to why are you doing it, right? Are you emailing because the gurus say that you're supposed to email or are you emailing because you have something to say, because you have something <laughs> valuable to share with your audience? Um, and you were talking about what makes, what makes a good email. I treat it like I'm sending a, an, an email or just sharing something with a close friend. It's not a lot of, um, not a lot of, uh, I guess, punctuation. It's not fully edited. It's not perfectly concise. It's 
stream of consciousness. It's, hey, I thought you might enjoy hearing about this story and how it relates to your problems. <laughs> and uh, I, I treat it stream of consciousness. I do edit it a little bit and, and it's so it's not completely off the cuff. But I found that those, and this ties back to everything we've been talking about. That's the most relatable thing to do. And it's also the easiest thing to do. It's so much easier for me to tell a story about a Marvel movie or my date night on Saturday or a book that I'm reading, whatever is going on in my life. It's so much easier for me to just tell that story and then shift it into a context that's relevant to my audience. So a lot of, a lot of storytelling gurus will tell you this, and we've been talking a lot about story, but they'll say that just telling great stories is the key to creating good content, but it's not quite true. You need to have a good moral of the story. And the moral of the story is really what ties the events of the story back to what actually matters to your customer, whether it's how to lose weight or how to get more followers on Instagram or how to grow their business or how to save time or be more productive, whatever it is, you can tell a story about the Avengers, but if you don't take the time to create a moral of that story that relates back to whatever it is that you're teaching, there's a disconnect there. It's not going to be valuable to them. And while it's, while it's entertaining them, you also need to be teaching them and, uh, and taking them, you know, inviting them to take that next step with you, with your business, with their journey towards, you know, becoming that person who can get the results with your system or, or achieve, achieve the results they're looking for, solve the problem that they have. As I hear you talk, I, I am working through so many mental blocks myself and I, I believe I'm older than, I know I'm older than Cody. I believe I'm probably older than you too. Um, but I, I have noticed that I've gotten really good at doing just what you just said when it comes to podcasting. Yeah. When it comes to writing, there's this mental block, like it needs to be good. It needs to look intelligent. It needs to be punctuated, you know? And I think part of that's because of the way that my generation was taught <laughs> when we were in school. It's like, we, we had to check all the punctuation stuff. Now it's like, People just text most of the time. Half of them don't even know how to write. So there's not any mental block with just sending something out that looks like you could have just had Siri do it. Uh, I mean, even when I talk to text, I include punctuation. <laughs> like I, I'm the one who says comma and period and open quotes and end quotes because I, it was just so ingrained in me. And so that is something that I know has absolutely stopped me. And I need to just let that go and be okay with, you know what, the people who are reading this, most of them aren't reading it for punctuation anyway. It's not my sixth grade teacher who's going to be grading this email. <laughs> well, it's important to keep your voice. So you don't need to make it sound a certain way because that's the right way to sound. You know, the, the right way to sound is like yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you are, if you're really comfortable, you know, we were talking before about understanding, I've mentioned this briefly, just understanding your strengths. And, and using that to formulate your own strategy. Why not just record audio of you talking? You could go for a walk or, or however you like to rec you know, record your podcast, but tell the story, record it as an audio or a video, and then transcribe it 
and then just put that into your your email autoresponder and, and send that out, right? I have I have thought Good about idea. that. Yeah, I actually and, and actually hired someone to do that very thing, just doing the transcription. <laughs> um, but then, of course, found myself because transcribing doesn't add any punctuation, and so then I have <laughs> to make sure I go in and, and change that. And and then also there's that that again that mental block of does somebody want to just read what I just said, and yet there's also that understanding that not everybody listens. Some people really prefer to read rather than listening to something on audio. And so just being able to put it out there and, and I, I probably could also link the, the actual audio in there for the person who says, I really am curious based on the subject line, but I don't have time to read. So no, I could go listen to that. And that could be content that they're able to consume. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, you know, I am a writing first type of person. So I start just writing on the page, but if you start with video or audio, that's great. Uh, there's a, I know a whole bunch of people who they'll even write entire books, just walking and recording a voice memo on their phone. Mm. And they have, they've created an outline and they'll just pull up a topic and just talk and go for, you know, a couple miles walking around the neighborhood, just talking into their phone. They transcribe it all and then edit it and, post it into, you know, whether it's the email or into their, you know, put it into their book. And that works great for them. Um, the, you can definitely, you could do that. So you could put, paste the whole transcription into an email, you know, edit it lightly or whatever. You could also, as you say, just put a headline in and say, Hey, I just recorded this audio about this. Here's why you want to go watch it or listen to it right now. And then just link to the audio. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a whole bunch of ways you can do it and you can even be uh, a little unpredictable about it. You know, sometimes you can put the, the audio link. Sometimes you can put the, uh, the transcription. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one thing I really, really like and appreciate about you. And, and that is that you are really good at being able to meet someone where they are and lean in on their strengths and having them, you start you start with them as the person being the core of your strategy with them. And that, that is how I work with my personal coaching clients. And it's something that we talk about here on the podcast a lot as well. And so that is one of the things that when we were doing our initial interview to see if you were a good fit, I absolutely told Cody, I'm like, he, he gets it. Like he does with email marketing, what we do with financial coaching. And so I just, that right there was a very, pointed example of how you do that. I mean, you, you saw that, okay, I have more of a gift towards gab, shocking, and uh, <laughs> and not so much to writing. It's not that I can't write or that I'm not a writer. It's just not my first inclination. And, and perhaps that's because I don't have the time to sit and do that with everything going around me. Uh, but if I do want to just take a walk and record something that you're saying, hey, here's what you do, lean into the strength, and then build upon that. So I love that. Yeah, it's you know we're we're investing in people first. Yeah. And investing in their capacity to grow their businesses. We're not trying to hit people over the head with the, you know, hottest new system that uh, you can use to make six figures overnight. Right. So Speaking of systems <laughs> though, we might have some listeners who are maybe well there's two things. One I was going to ask you what systems do you suggest to kind of comb through if someone's trying to find some sort of autoresponder or CRM. That's that's the par first part. But the other part is what if somebody has zero 
email list at this point. What are some of the ways that you believe that they can authentically start to implement some of what you're doing and not feel this need to, you know, build super, super fast? And, and what does that look like? So as far as autoresponders, um, I've used active campaign mostly in the past. Right now I'm using Berserker Mail, which is for aggressive emailing. It's for, for daily emailing. Um, it's very just bare bones. Um, if you're going to be sending a lot of email, Berserker Mail is the way to go. And that's so um, fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is really. <laughs> uh, but Active Campaign is great for more complicated automations and, and plugins with, um, you know, various other third-party apps and things. So, okay. um, that's a good place to start and, and active campaign is cheaper as well. Okay. Um, and we can probably link some of those in the show notes for individuals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that it matters so much which platform you use there. There's so many platforms. What matters is that you use one that, that, works and that you'll continue to use it. Yeah. <laughs> you won't get bogged down in complexity. So right. and a lot of people uh will use ConvertKit as well. So there's plenty of options. Okay. Very good. And what about that the other question about building from ground zero? Yeah. So it really again comes back to your strengths. So you can start your email list from just posting on social media. You can start an email list from posting blog articles on places like Medium or um, Substack or other uh, sort of long-form blog locations. You can go out and share your expertise on podcasts in the industry. Um, I think you could probably tell which one I prefer to do, <laughs> seeing as I'm on here. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, I prefer just doing my emails. And so really I'm focused on publishing a lot of articles because I'm, I like to write and getting, doing a lot of just podcast conversations and just sharing, uh, sharing my thoughts, sharing um, what's working for me and trying to get it out through podcast. Okay. Um, there's, there's other psychological and um, there's other psychological benefits to podcasting, um, which we could maybe get into if you want to, but uh there's, you know, there's plenty of ways to build a list. It's really just what are you going to be consistent at doing and what do you enjoy doing? Right. And so for the individual who is really just starting and they maybe have one, two, three, four, five people, you know, somewhere in that, in that range, do you suggest if they decide, not because you said so, but because they decide that they want to be able to provide that value, they have something good to say and that they want to say it every single day. Do you still say, go ahead and just send it to those one to five people? And as your list grows, it will, it's not a big deal. I think some, the reason I'm asking this is because I think some people say, well, I don't want to waste all my good content on just five people and then feel like, um, like those other people missed out. So I want to wait till I build it up and then go back. I know, I kind of know the psychological, um, answer to that, but I'd like to hear what you say first. Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to be able to to grow if you're holding back um, because everyone else is going all out full force, trying to put their best stuff out there. And also you're not going to put, you're not going to put your best stuff. You're not, uh, how do I say this? You're, you will get so much better if you just commit to 
writing every day for a year. You know, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that became very clear to me by the, I ended up writing like 330 emails in that first year that I was trying to write 365. Um, so I came up a little short, but by all means exceeded my expectations. I was just so embarrassed at how bad the content was that I was creating in January by the time I got to even July. Mm-hmm. So you will become so much clearer in your writing, your storytelling ability will improve, your ability to see topics and to synthesize topics and combine ideas, everything will improve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have held on to a couple of really key stories that um, I think are so good that I don't want to let them out until the right time. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I'm trying to put my best stuff out every single day and um, it, it's definitely worth it for one other person, for two other people, for 10 other people yep. to just build that muscle, get that, you know, even if you're getting three or 10 opens a week, it's, uh, it's good to build the skills while you have a small audience so that by the time you get to be, a, get to have a big audience, you don't embarrass yourself. Right. <laughs> you know, if you, if you make a mistake and embarrass yourself in front of five people, it's like, well, that's not that big of a deal. But if you have you know, a million people on your audience and you make a big mistake, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's significantly worse. Yeah. So better to hone your skills while you're small. And that will also then help you to grow. Yeah, I agree. And also those one to five people don't know that they're one to five people. Exactly. You know, so, so it doesn't really matter. And those might be the one to five people who want to hire you. And so you just don't want to have them sitting and waiting for you to contact them when they're the ones who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm only one of five, but I'm here and and I'm one of five. So talk to me. Right. So there's that. I think that's an important piece too. Yeah. I think it also helps you to, if you're writing to one other person, it's very easy to draft your emails in a way where you're speaking one-on-one yeah. to that person. Great point. And that's a huge asset because if you have, it's easy to get into the we and the us and all of us, but you want to be speaking to them. Like it's just you and them in individually one-on-one sitting in a room yep. chatting. Yep. Great point. Yeah. Andrew, thank you so much for everything that you unpacked for us. This was like, a ton of value for me. I'm, I'm sure for Maria. Yep. And I know for a fact, it was a ton of value for uh, the listeners too. So if anyone wanted to like connect with you, if they wanted to talk to you, if they wanted to pick your brain, if they wanted to hire you, who knows, you know, like how can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? The best way to connect with me is through my website, andrewbrider.com. And you can join the email list there. I am teaching a lot of online business stuff. I'm also teaching a lot of mindset stuff and just getting good examples, good uh, demonstration. You know, I like to teach through leading by example. So my content hopefully can teach you how to write better emails, communicate more clearly, tell better stories, write better morals to those stories, all the things we talked about. Uh, If you want to see how I'm doing it, you can check out the email list. Um, through that, there will also be opportunities to check out my book. Uh, if you're interested in coaching, you know, all that 
comes through the email list and it's on the website. So andrewbrider.com is the best place to find me. The letter B? B as in boy. Yes. Okay. All right. (laughs) I want to make sure it wasn't like B-E-E, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Andrew, the letter B, Ryder. And Ryder is is R-Y-D-E-R. That's correct. For for context. So awesome. Yeah. So definitely reach out to Andrew if if you got um, value from this. Um, You know, he's a really, really good guy. He's got a great heart, as you can tell. Um, And he's really good at what he does, too. So reach out to him if you want some more uh, support in this area. And if you, uh, if you also enjoyed just listening to this podcast and you want to connect with more coaches or more people who just have, you know, the skills or the, you know, something new to bring to the table that you can learn from. Um, another really good place to do that is in our Facebook group, which is new money habits, financial coaches. That is also free to hop into. You just type it on Facebook, on Facebook, New Money Habits, Financial Coaches, press join, we'll accept you, and uh, the rest will be history. So, Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. I appreciate you having me on. You bet. Awesome. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We will see you next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Financial Coaches Podcast, brought to you by New Money Habits and Sizemore Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and join our growing group of like-minded coaches on Facebook. And until next time, happy coaching. Music provided by Summer School.